like right now I'm on a three day fast. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's just what I like to do it for is to test my grit. Yes. <laughs> to see how strong the cravings are and see if you can overcome it. everyone. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Tracy Gulheich. She is also known as the High Energy Girl. She is a passionate health coach, three times author, keto coach, and a personal trainer. And she's the host of the Be Well, Be Keto podcast. Tracy was eight years old when she started her quest for skinny. She went through periods of dieting, binging, and starving, and was obsessed and stressed out. Later, she became fascinated with nutrition, attended integrative nutrition and became a holistic health coach. Today, we're gonna to talk deeply into the ketogenic diet and the state of ketosis and how it can be used for patients who are suffering from cancer. Good afternoon, Tracy. Thank you for being on our podcast today. Well, thank you for having me and good morning. <laughs> good morning to you, yes. So talk to me about this quest for being skinny. So at eight years old, you're having this vision of just being skinny and thin. And I guess at that time you were really obsessed with diets and found that's going to be something that you were going to, as an occupation and as a lifestyle for you. Well, okay. I'm 54 now. So that was a long time ago. (laughs) So basically my parents were both always overweight, obese, and were always on a diet. And it was up, down, up, down, yo-yo forever. And they were both extremely unhealthy. And so I remember back when I was young, they were on Atkins. And My dad once said to my mom, if you ever get fat again, I'm leaving you. And she did and he did. And so that is what, you know, got buried in my inner child's mind. And I equated skinny with worthiness of love, which is horrible. And, but it, it was an obsession that I had for many, many, many years. And I just kept thinking I had to be skinny. And so for, therefore I was always on a low calorie diet. I was always counting points. You know, I was just OCD about it. I would run for miles and miles and miles, get shin splints all the time. I was just doing chronic cardio. And finally, I'm like, what am I doing? I see my dad, he's now on his like fifth or sixth round of cancer. My mom suffers from Alzheimer's, Hashimoto's disease, depression. They're both on multiple medications. And I'm like, this is not the way I want to age. And so instead of pulling that genetic excuse and thinking, well, this is my destiny, I decided to start studying nutrition in 2007 And, you know, it just changed the way I looked at things. So instead of going after this appearance, it was just more like, I'm never going to be a skinny girl. I mean, I'm Sicilian. um, So I'm going to be a strong and healthy girl instead. And that's been my focus since. And in 2007, what did you do to start changing your diet? And what kind of results did you see to give you the idea that, okay, well, it's all my body habit is, is based on what I put in my body and not really how I work out or exercise. 
I learned about cells and how the cells are renewing and dividing every hour, like tons and tons. And so the quality of your health was going to be based on the nutrients that those cells had to pull from, right? So it was more about feeding your body the nutrients it needs to thrive rather than depriving your body the calories so that it, you know, will be thinner. And so I just changed the trajectory of the way I was looking at things and decided I just wanted to fill my body with good things so that instead of my cells being sick cells, they were healthy cells. And that's so interesting. So I talk about this in my book when I got diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2014. I really took an evaluation of my body and what contributed to it because non-Hodgkin's lymphoma isn't really a genetic disease. So I knew it was stress-related. It was probably the fact that I didn't have any kind of green leafy vegetables or any vegetables for like 15 years and since I was at home, you know, when I was, you know, my, with my mom's home cooking. And then I started to really take a deep dive into nutrition and the phytonutrients content and what I was eating and processed food. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible what I've been putting into my body. And not to mention glyphosate, the exposure of glyphosate in our foods. And, you know, that's just huge. And I didn't know anything about organic. And unfortunately, I don't teach you this in medical school. And so when I was doing all my research for my own personal health, I was just discovering and learning all these things. And I specifically found like ketogenic diet is fascinating. And I think uh, it's inherent effects in terms of reducing inflammation and its other benefits, which I'd love for you to talk about in, in why this is such a great diet for people in general and for people who are suffering from cancer. Well, I found the ketogenic diet, I want to say 2015, so about four years ago, and I was doing research for my mom with the Alzheimer's and Hashimoto's. She literally got diagnosed with those, I mean, within weeks apart. So I was really like looking for nutritional protocols. I would have totally been against keto, but then I found it and I'm like, huh? And so I started looking into it. But in my book that I wrote in like 2014, I was kind of making fun of the low carbers because at that time I was running like half marathons and I thought I needed carbs. So I found the ketogenic diet accidentally, but I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, you know, I was fat phobic back then. So I did a ton of research. I listened to Dr. Dominic Diagostino incessantly. (laughs) I read Keto Clarity and I can't remember what other books, but I just really dived in. Oh, the Finney and Volick. And I just really tried to understand the science behind it. And then it started just really making sense to me. And my dad, you know, he's doing chemotherapy and he's eating candy and cookies. And I'm like, okay, PET (laughs) scans, glucose, but your doctor says, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat. And it just infuriated me. And I was just like, people don't know what they don't know, you know, and they think that keto is a fad and that gluten-free is a fad and all this stuff. And it just makes me crazy because I just understand how we, my big hashtag, my thing is aging stronger, you know, helping women to age stronger instead of weaker, healthier instead of sicker. And if you want to age in health, you've got to just get rid of the poison and sugar is, you know, the primary culprit, but so many things that lead to glucose, which creates those cancer cells. And I just really believe in eliminating all of that. And this is the way I'm going to live my life. It's important to point out to our listeners that when a person is diagnosed with cancer, that sugar feeds the cancer cells. So it's really important to eliminate sugar immediately after being diagnosed with cancer. And so when you eliminate sugar, it all uh, makes intuitive sense. Well, what am I going to eat? Well, the keto diet is kind of 
meant for you because it, it eliminates a lot of the carbohydrates in general. And it'd be really great for people suffering from cancer. The only thing that from my research that I've realized is that there are some cancers that feed off of glutamine. So in some cancers, like if you turn off the sugar, then they can actually fuel the cancer cells by glutamine. So and it depends on the cancer, but primarily I feel that the ketogenic, if you address it in a way that's beneficial for the patient and address it, their specific cancer, it could be very useful. I kind of remember when you were talking about yourself, when I was going through chemo and I was at Mayo Hospital, I remember that it was lunchtime and they were bringing lunch while I was getting my infusion. And it was like, this processed crap. It was like some kind of bologna sandwich, you know, some cold cut meats. And I had this, you know, those like Del Monte fruit little cups that they give you with like the syrup, the you know, and the fruits. And that's what I, they were giving me and, and a cookie to polish it off. And at that time I, I, I was, you know, I was just, just getting into my research and I was like, are you kidding me? I'm at a prestigious hospital and this is what I'm being served. Like you, I started becoming really fascinated with diet and the importance of organic and importance of non-GMO. And then ketogenic diet is something that I, I advocate for most people who want to make this change. Let's talk about ketosis in general. You know, how does one follow the ketogenic diet, you know, like, and how do you achieve ketosis? So basically, so for the listeners that may not know, ketosis is when in the absence of glucose, your body will convert fat to ketones. Okay. That's just like the real quick standard way. So you can have ingested fat, you can have stored fat. I always like talk to my clients about the fluffy belly in the middle. That is just energy waiting to be burned. So when, by eliminating the glucose, your option, your alternative fuel source is ketones, which actually is so good for mental clarity. It is helpful for sleep. My clients always like within the first week, notice the difference in sleep. So it's a really clean fuel source. It's really helpful for losing weight as well because when you do a calorie-restrictive diet, your body will take your stored muscle and convert that into glucose or via gluconeogenesis. And so then you're going to be losing muscle as well, whereas keto is muscle sparing. But some of the health benefits is just better energy because you're not doing blood sugar dips all day long. You know, back in the day, it was three small meals and three small snacks a day. You know, we were eating all the time. So this is very satiating. So you're not going to be eating as often because you're not going to be hungry. One of my clients is like, Tracy, I am so full. I cannot eat all this food. And I'm like, then don't. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, how often does a weight loss client say that, you know? But it, the mental clarity is huge. Everybody that says they just feel like they are clear thinking, they are less hungry, the fat just kind of melts off without losing muscle, and it's a really good, healthy way to live. Plus, the last thing is Alzheimer's. I'm really afraid of that. That makes me nervous. And a lot of research that's current points to Alzheimer's being type 3 diabetes. By not having those you know, the blood sugar roller coaster and having all of that insulin, we can save our brain cells. So that's a huge proponent to me. And then fasting, like I love fasting. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that. So what kind of fasting are you an advocate of and you know, intermittent fasting or just 24 hour fasting? All of it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a place for everything. And I think it's fun to keep your body guessing. So it doesn't know. Um, I'm a 
big proponent of weight training. And so on leg day, I don't fast. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> on leg day, it's like my body needs food. You know, I lift some heavy stuff. But on like a cardio day, so today was a cardio day. I taught a class at my gym. And so that's a great day for fasting. So I've done as much as a three-day fast. Um, I do put one teaspoon of MCT oil in my coffee. And so that will not break a fast according to Jason Fung. Yeah, and, and that's a good question. So a lot of people are like, well, what if I put some kind of caloric intake during my fasting window, is that going to break the fast? And yeah, I've read Jason Fung's book. It's a fantastic book. But MCT oil doesn't have any, any sugar in it, right? So is that the theory as to why that's okay to consume um, during the window of fasting? Well, so um, Dr. Funk says that if it's 35 calories or less, then you're fine. So for instance, if I would have put a whole tablespoon of MCT oil in my coffee, then that would break the fast because it's too many calories. Um, but he said up to 35 calories-ish. So I figure, okay, a teaspoon of MCT oil at 5 a.m. on my way to the gym, another one at 7, and another one at 9. So this is like coffee number three. I always do organic coffee. This is actually the bulletproof because I know that when I switch to decaf, my third cup, you want to be careful because the way they make traditional decaf isn't healthy. So I always do the bulletproof decaf just because he does it in a healthier way. So it won't break the fast if it's 35 calories of fat. Now, protein or carbs will break a fast. And the MCT oil, the one I get is the C8. So mm -hmm. it only has like the, you know, it gives you actual ketones into your body. Right. So it's my pre-workout, you know, before I go to the gym. Gotcha. And so do you um, advocate the working out in the fasting state? Absolutely. That way, any glucose that happens to remain in your body gets burned out pretty quickly and I always work out fasted first thing in the morning, also because of cortisol. So in the morning, your cortisol is higher. And so your body's bringing cortisol down during the day. This is at least my understanding. I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> so we want to, you know, let our body's cortisol naturally drop down. And so if you work out in the evening, then you're boosting that cortisol level up again. And then your, your body's forcing to get it down faster and earlier, and then that could be, you know, effective to your sleep. Right. So I love sleeping. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, you know, I always, always work out first thing in the morning. Yeah. Are you practicing a daily habit of 16, eight in terms of intermittent fasting or what's your method? So it just depends on, I really want myself and my clients to be mindful and not eat according to the clock. So sometimes I don't eat until like three o'clock, you know, in the afternoon or even dinner time. So I do OMAD a lot. Like if I have a special event on a weekend, because then that way I'm fat burning, fat burning, fat burning, and then I'm refueling at whatever the event is. So I'll just have like one meal. Could you explain what OMAD is? OMAD is one meal a day. And so basically you're eating in a one hour window ish, you know? Um, so I always say it's good to, if you have like a wedding or a special event or when you're traveling, it's really good to be fasted in an airport or on an airplane. Cause they're just gonna, your only options are garbage. Um, <laughs> you know, for sure. And I also find it really effective when you go somewhere so you can really enjoy like amazing meals. Like when I go visit my son in New York, he always has a list of restaurants that we're going to go to. And I know the food is going to be fat, you know, fabulous. So I save 
my portions for that. Plus I'm burning fat, body fat during that time. Yeah. And so it's kind of a win-win. Do you have a specific, um, like measure of ketosis of, of being in ketosis? Like there's so many devices that are out there or do you just go by feel? Well, I have all the devices. I, if I have a client, I recommend blood testing once they are confident. I never did at the beginning of my journey, never did show up on the urine test strips. I don't know why. Um, so I started doing the blood testing and then I also have the breath test. So I'm sure you've heard of that ketonics. Yep. Um, but I use the keto mojo in my blood oh, test. I heard of that one. Okay. You've never heard of it. No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, doctor. The, the strips are only a dollar each. So it's really cost effective because most of the keto or the blood keto meters are like, I don't know, two or $3 for each test strip. Yeah. So keto mojo is a lot less expensive. Do you think the strips are a better way of measuring or there's a lot of these meters where you just blow into them and it supposedly gives you a reading of some number in millimolars. And so that kind of gives you a gauge of whether or not you have achieved ketosis. So they're different. Mm -hmm. And so the blood tests beta hydroxybutyrate, mm -hmm. the urine tests a different type of ketone, and then the breath one tests something else. And I can't even pinpoint, I can't even tell you which one, like one of them is like acetyl acetate. And I can't remember the, the one from the urine. But the thing is, is if your body's using ketones, I believe that you're going to notice from the breath or from the blood. But I think that the breath is more what is the word? It's not as consistent a read as the blood. And I find that different times of the day, the blood is going to register higher. Like for some reason in the morning, I'm lower. But mm -hmm. if I test right before dinner, I tend to be higher. And plus you can taste it in your mouth. I can taste a metallic taste. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're accurate. I think the blood is a better way of, it's a more accurate way of detecting ketones. And so people who are diabetic and use those glucose meters, there's strips that actually can be utilized um, in the same meter that can detect ketones. And the Keto Mojo one has this really cool app. So you can do like a ketone test and then a glucose test. And then the app like will upload your results. So you can look at, you know, over time. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. That's it awesome. syncs up with your meter. So it's really cool. Yeah. And then to achieve ketosis, I can't recall the actual numbers, but I, it, it's like 0.5 millimolars is the beginning. And then I guess you want to go up to five millimolars and, and that's kind of like a, a good ketogenic state, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the sweet spot would be like 0.5 to 3.5. But to me, unless you are sick and you need a therapeutic level of ketones, then we're not chasing ketones, we're chasing results. And I stole that from one of my... Like I love following certain people because they just inspire me. And so that was Luis Velasenor. And he says, we're not chasing ketones, we're chasing results. So as long as you're in ketosis, the higher level is not going to really make a huge bit of difference unless you need it for, you know, the mental clarity. Clarity. Like right now I'm on a three-day fast. Wow. Um, oh my gosh. It's just what I wow. like to do it for is to test my grit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to see how strong the, the, the cravings are and see if you can overcome it. Yes. I think it's good to do it like, you know, quarterly. I've never done longer than three days and I won't this time either, but my goal is to someday do a five day. When you do a three days, 
obviously you're using a lot of, you're losing initially a lot of water weight, but there is some fat that you're losing too. So do you, on your specific frame, do you notice that during the three-day fast? What what percentage of the weight that you lose over three days is water weight or actual fat? I'm just interested in, in what you think. Well, when you're in ketosis already, you're dumping water because there's no glucose to hold on to the ketones. So I drink about a gallon a day of water and I do supplement with my electrolytes. So I do a teaspoon of salt every morning, like really good high quality salt in my water. So, and I notice a cognitive difference when I go to the gym. So if I don't have that salt, I feel a little dizzy because I work out hard. So I always have my salt in the morning, but I do a gallon a day of water. Like today it's only, it's almost 10 o'clock and I've already had probably almost two liters of water. Wow. So and because I'm dumping, the, you're dumping the water already, I don't believe you lose a ton of water on that fast if you're already in ketosis. Now, if you are a traditional eater and you do a fast, yeah, you're going to dump water because you're going to not have the glucose that's holding onto the water after you know your first 24 hours more than likely. So that will be different than if you're already in ketosis. Right. And I guess your body's not uh, keto adapted if you're doing this for the first time. Yeah. And so a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the uh, water dumping is what you'll see in the beginning. Now, I guess what you're talking about the dizziness would that be uh, a symptom of the keto flu that people report? Well, I'm way past that, you know. Yeah. But at the beginning stages, yeah. But I also know that you just you just need electrolytes, and um, I. I don't retain water. So that sodium, like I'll never forget a long time ago before I was even keto, I was out mountain biking. It was a hundred degrees and we were out on the hill and I started getting dizzy. We were on this really, really long climb. And, um, my husband said, here, take some salt. So I took salt and I instantly felt better, better. you know, in our traditional American, they're demonized salt, right? But back in the, you know, old times, they used to trade it as a commodity. It was like a valued <laughs> you know, commodity. And now it's like, oh, salt's bad for you. Right. I know. That's a very good point. Um, I, it also just dawned on me about keto, the whole keto diet. You know, a lot of people have this misnomer that it's very much similar to the Atkins diet, but, you know, let's eat some high protein and high fat and, you know, low carb, but that's really not. So what is the accurate percentage of macros, you know, with carbs, protein, and fat to achieve ketosis? Well, okay, so depend so on the for the average Joe, I always say seventy percent fat, twenty percent protein, five percent carbs. Um, so when I set up a client on like their custom macros, it's about twenty grams of net carbs, and then the rest is fat and protein within those ratios. Mm-hmm. And then. With that low amount of carbs, uh, I would imagine you'd have people that are probably going to face constipation. I mean, what do you do to remedy that? Or do you just don't have that issue at all with your clients? Okay. So you're talking like about fiber and stuff. So the carbs, the only carbs I really recommend are fibrous vegetables. Okay. Okay. So, you know, your greens and, you know, like, so to make it simple for a client, it's like, don't eat breakfast, big fatty salad for lunch, you know, with all your greens, like um, all the vegetables with top with protein and full fat dressing. And then for dinner, roasted vegetables with protein. So that is, they're, they're getting plenty of vegetables. I mean, I don't believe in, so I'm a healthy keto person. Like I'm not big into like fat bombs and, 
you know, just like overdoing it with things, but it's just like eating healthy and not being afraid of fat. So like you want to eat enough fat at each meal so that you're not hungry in between and then mindlessly snacking. So I'm not a big fan of nuts unless it's just a teeny bit on top of your salad or as a garnish instead of as a handful. Right. So the best place to get the carbs is the, is the vegetables. And if you're eating enough fat, you know, things are going to slide through rather than stop up. I mean, I always say like this, like if you spill, like say a real Coke on the floor, okay. A real soda, your floor is going to be sticky, right? right? If you spill some coconut oil on the floor, it's going to be slippery. Slide. Right. So think about it. Babies, I like that. Babies have a ketogenic diet right? And they don't have a problem in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> they don't have any fiber, but they are just fine. You know, yeah, that's true. And it, what are some examples of healthy fats? Because a lot of people are like, well, when they think of fat, they think of like animal fat, right? And so are there, besides animal fat, are there any other like fatty foods that are appropriate for the keto diet? Some of my favorites are, like I said earlier, MCT oil in my coffee. I also like the red palm oil, which is like a superfood. Yep. Coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil. Those are pretty much my favorites. I am not a fan. Oh, and grass-fed beef and avocado, macadamia nuts. But those are danger for me. Like macadamia nuts, I can just eat like a half a bag without even realizing it. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. Absolutely. It's so tasty and it's just, it's so caloric dense. And, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You can pack on the pounds if you eat too much. Yeah. So I don't have them in my house. Um, <laughs> I don't. And you know, like I am a big proponent of grass fed beef because you said earlier about the glyphosate. So they have traced the end consumer of traditional cow like so they ate a hamburger that was from a feedlot cow and they can test that end consumer for glyphosate and trace it back to the corn that the cow ate so i don't do any corn you know traditional meat other than the grass-fed beef i have chickens here so we do you know we have farm fresh eggs i always joke around god made eggs with he didn't make cartons of egg whites you know we messed that one up eggs are great and um, not a big fan of seed oil. So no soybean oil, no canola oil. You know, I stay away from all of those inflammatory omega-6 oils. I love fatty fish, salmon, sardines. Yes. And I do some tuna, love tuna, seared ahi. Oh my gosh. I found this amazing vegan. I don't do eggs right now. I'm doing a food sensitivity, like gut healing thing. But I found this amazing vegan mayo with avocado oh, made with fantastic. avocado oil yeah. and i made a wasabi mayo dipping sauce for the seared ahi that sounds amazing oh so good <laughs> do you have any suggestions for folks who don't have time to prep a keto meal are there meal services you know that you recommend or you just tell people to suck it up and go get the appropriate ingredients and make food at home it's not hard like you don't need a meal service. Why spend the extra money? It's super simple. Like I said, skip breakfast, have a big fatty salad with avocado. I do some pumpkin seeds on there, you know, the raw sprouted pumpkin seeds, just a big salad with avocado. I don't do cow's milk cheese, only sheep or goat cheese. Mm -hmm. um, there's an enzyme in the cow's milk cheese yep. that isn't great. 
and then just roasted vegetables and protein for dinner. And so what I say, if they're busy, do some batch cooking twice a week, you know, Sunday and Wednesday are great for batch cooking, cook up a bunch of protein, chop up your vegetables, you know, store them all in containers and just have things prepped for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're too busy to do it, I prefer fresh, you know, that day, but batch cooking's great. Yeah. And then in terms of say you have a person who is an athlete or a weightlifter, they probably need the calories. So obviously the two meals aren't probably going to be sufficient for them, but what would you like recommend for a person who is a, is an athlete or a weightlifter? Well, I'm an athlete and a weightlifter and because the ketogenic diet is muscle sparing, you don't need to worry about that. Just hit your protein goal. So Make sure that you hit your protein goal. Mine is between 100 and 120 grams a day, depending. And so I found some clean protein powder that I'll make a protein shake with that only has three ingredients. There's a couple different brands that I really like that are made with grass-fed beef protein and sweetened with stevia. Could you share those brands if you don't mind? I'm just curious. Sure. Equip is one of them. Equip Foods. What is the brand? It's like called Build or something, but Uh the chocolate has beef protein, cocoa powder, and stevia. And that is it. Wow. I got to check this one out too. That seems uh, fantastic. How many grams of protein in, in a serving? I think 20 or 25. Uh, yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Like a hundred calories. So it's like super clean. And then the other one I like is Julian Bakery. Now theirs has a few more ingredients because they do have probiotics and prebiotics in it. Ah, yeah. I find that it doesn't mix quite as well. You have to blend it up a lot longer. What I do with them is I'll either make a shake with them and, you know, have that, or I'll put some in sheep's milk or almond milk yogurt. Mm -hmm. Height Hill makes this amazing unsweetened almond milk yogurt. So I'll just throw some protein powder in that. And then that's like a nice little treat. Oh, that sounds yummy. And I'm, I'm starving right now since I, I already had my workout and I did not have anything while I was working out beforehand. So I'm, I'm ready for my, my lunch now. <laughs> you like my um, watering. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question for you. Yeah, a thought came to me earlier and just, I'm just toying with it. But, you know, you seem like, you know, you, you, you obviously are well educated and very knowledgeable about this and you have clients. I would love to enroll in your program. You know, I, I've dabbled in keto before on my own and I just, I always get it wrong and it's because I run out of time. So, and I just, I'm not as diligent as I should be, even though it is easy, but for me, I need accountability. If I have, if I'm held to some sort of accountability, then I'm obviously I'm going to be doing this right. You know, what if I wanted to do like a three week challenge, you know, we, we just kind of like do something where I take measurements of my body fat and then be on a strict keto diet for, I don't know, two, three weeks. And maybe we just share like body metrics on a weekly basis. And maybe we could do this podcast again to talk about the results. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be really fun. You're not keto. You're not in ketosis right now. I probably am because I haven't eaten. So yeah, I would imagine my last meal yesterday was at 6 p.m. So yeah, I'm definitely in ketosis. But yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if I stick with it and have accountability. And then, and that's the key is like, you know, on the weekends, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's the weekend. I'm just going to go and indulge. And of course, that throws you off in ketosis. Yeah, it does. It totally does. And it takes days to get back in for most people, unless you're keto adapted. 
because you're trick, you're confusing your metabolism. Your metabolism is going, wait, am I supposed to be burning carbs? Am I supposed to be burning ketones? Like right. what's happening? But once you're keto adopted, then your body is smarter and understands, you know, that, oh, well, I, I like this, but I prefer that, you know, and then we'll get right back in. If I have cheated, then I've, I, to get back on track, I'll do a 24-hour fast, and that seems to get me back on, on, on track and to get me back into ketosis. Oh, cool. So I think we're running out of time, but I wanted to thank you so much for joining us. And for our listeners, if they wanted to reach out and find you, what's the best way? I am all over social media, High Energy Girl. My blog is highenergygirl.com, Facebook, High Energy Girl. That is my brand. Awesome. So easy to find. Thanks so much, Tracy, for being on again. And, and uh, you're, I'm jealous of you being in California right now in that warm weather. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we, we pay for that, though. We pay for that warm weather, you know. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.